0: This week, it's a bit special because we kick off this week, uh, the first week of our prayer series, which is a preaching series that will go for the next uh, five weeks after this one, uh, that's going to be focusing us on the Lord's Prayer. Are you excited about that? Come on. I think that it's uh, going to be a really precious time. and I'm going to begin this morning by just sharing with you uh, one of two places where the Lord's Prayer is where we find it in Scripture. So I'm going to be reading to you this morning from the Gospel of Luke, where this Gospel introduces us to prayer in a particular way that we're going to be focusing on, but also for you to know in the back of your minds that we also find the Lord's Prayer in a bit of an expanded version uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's actually in Matthew that we'll pick up next week. So let's come under the word now and we'll have a read together from uh, the Gospel of Luke. forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation this is the word of the lord so as i said next week moving into a little bit more of that expanded version of the lord's prayer but as we get into this one as we um, journey in this gospel of luke um could we just pray again as we come before the word holy father Holy Father, thank you for your powerful and precious word to us. I just thank you that you have so much for us in this season. Would you reveal more of your heart to us? Would you unfurl your truth over us as we sit here under your word this morning? May it transform us. And Lord, I pray less of me and more of you. Lord, more of you, more of all of you, we pray. For your glory and in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I was just wondering have you ever watched someone do something so compelling and so marvelous, so intriguing that you needed to say, Teach me, teach me? I'm desperate. Would you teach me how to do that? Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? As a kid, uh, I would have the odd occasion where I would be allowed to go fishing. Only occasionally because this fishing that we did every uh, Christmas holidays was around the rocks of McMaster's Beach, a little tiny part of the southern part of the central coast. And my dad loved to fish and my grandfather loved to fish and lots of other blokes in my family loved to fish. And occasionally when the conditions were right, when the tide was very low, uh, us kids were allowed to go fishing. And I wasn't the slightest bit interested, can I say, in what it meant to, you know, thread the bait on the hook. That wasn't my thing at all. Uh, And I wasn't the slightest bit interested in all of that fiddly work around the string and the sinkers and the swivels and all that kind of thing. But what I loved is when my dad took that rod and held it behind him and sent it forth and that piece of line went so far into the ocean I couldn't even see where it dropped in. And then the, the lines flying through and then the the kind of the reel flips over and it stops and it goes taut and Dad pulls it back just a little bit and then he gives it a couple of whines, and then he kind of like steps back away from the very edge and kind of settles into a fishing pose like ready to catch a fish, right? It was so good. As a little knee-high to a grasshopper person, I just desperately wanted to get my hands on that rod and I just wanted to just create whatever havoc I could throwing that thing back and sending that thing forward. I can't tell you how much I wanted my dad to teach me how to do that. And we saw a little bit of that. or Hopefully you heard a little bit of that uh, just from that passage that we just read a moment ago. Have you ever watched someone pray or heard someone pray and thought to yourself, I would love to pray like that. I would love to pray like that. And it was actually an unidentified, an unnamed disciple who asked that question that I think all the other disciples were busting that somebody would ask because they wanted to know. They wanted Jesus to teach them to pray. They wanted Jesus to teach them to pray. And I do find it fascinating as I think about all of um, the, the New Testament particularly and all of the ways that Jesus instructs us, there is only explicit instruction about prayer nowhere did the disciples say to Jesus teach us to preach teach us to plant churches teach us how to share our faith in less than 100 words nowhere is it but actually we find that there is something about prayer there is something about prayer that the disciples observe and that Jesus is going to teach us about prayer and I'm wondering why why was it prayer why was it prayer that the disciples needed to needed to be taught wanted desired to be taught? I think it was because that the disciples had indeed seen Jesus praying. They had traveled with him, they had, you know, gone across the countryside, moving from place to place, getting in boats, doing all sorts of things, observing Jesus' ministry. They were so often present when Jesus prayed. They were so often present when he prayed and they experienced the power of jesus prayer life they experienced the power of jesus prayer life they experienced that power in so many ways and when we actually just take a look over the whole of the journey of the narrative from the start of this gospel that we're looking at today the gospel of luke right through until the end um, we see this power of jesus prayer life we see at at his baptism we see at his baptism. Now when all the people were baptised and when Jesus also had been baptised and he was praying, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily like a dove. And the disciples saw this power of his prayer life. Whenever Jesus was out teaching and preaching, just the multitudes would gather around him. Crowds would be drawn and those crowds were seeking something from him. They were seeking healing for their bodies and healing for their minds. And no more than ever, the word no, now more than ever, the word about Jesus had spread abroad. Uh, Luke chapter five says, "Many crowds were gathering to hear him, to be cured of their diseases." Meanwhile, Jesus would slip away to a deserted place and pray. And you know that when Jesus again was with a multitude of people, there was one little boy's lunch, and Jesus prayed, and that lunch was multiplied to thousands at the hands of his disciples and then on another occasion Jesus invites Peter James and John to have a prayer walk and they go up a mountain and we read this in Luke chapter 9 while he was praying the the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning now that's a prayer walk right (laughs) right That's a prayer walk for you. And you know that when Jesus prayed, darkness would flee. Evil spirits would depart. The disciples were with Jesus when people's lives were completely transformed by prayer, when people's lives were completely transformed by Jesus' prayer life, including their own, including their own lives. And the disciples, they marvelled and they were in awe. And I think that oftentimes they just had a lot of questions. But they saw the power of Jesus' prayer life because Jesus had this phenomenal partnership of communion with God. Jesus had an unrivaled, phenomenal partnership of communion with God. And then as we continue on through the narrative, through the story of Jesus' life and ministry, we come to a scene in a garden It's a garden where Jesus takes his disciples just the day before he's executed. And the disciples sit just a stone's throw away, scripture says, from where he prayed in this like pit of human anguish. Jesus prayed these prayers, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. And the disciples watched his anguish. Because sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now in this moment we also read that the disciples didn't really have it in them to stay awake in this garden. They fell asleep. But yet despite their failings, they were so desiring. They wanted access to their rabbi. They wanted access that their rabbi had to God they hungered to know how to commune and connect in prayer to Yahweh the one true living God why why because when they when Jesus prayed he accessed God's presence when Jesus prayed He accessed God's presence. In fact, prayer was access into God's presence, into the presence of the living God. When Jesus prayed, the forces of nature yielded, bodies were healed, food was multiplied. Yes, they're all essentially external things. But when Jesus prayed, most importantly, the the disciples saw this. They saw that Jesus had relationship with the Father that was utterly dependent upon prayer, utterly dependent upon prayer. Jesus sought the Father, the Father's will, the Father's heart for everything that he did, he said. He only ever did, we read, what he saw the Father doing. And then just the next day in the story, some disciples are there again present, they're present at Golgotha, the place of the cross. They're there and it says that they looked on from a distance and saw Jesus hanging on a cruel cross. And there they heard him cry out in prayer to the Father, saying, it is finished. And he breathed his last breath and he died. It's really important for us to see just even briefly as it's been this journey of Jesus' ministry and his life in prayer. It's really important that we see the power of Jesus' prayer life. it's important for us to understand how the Lord, how Jesus, has shepherded and led his disciples through his life, modelling for them what prayer looks like, up until this very moment where he breathes his last. And it's really, really important that we do that because it is actually at the cross... These at the cross, at the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Christ, that is where Christ's access to the Father is then made possible for us. Up until that point, nobody, nobody had entered into the presence of God. Not through the history of Israel, not even the priest in the temple. You would remember there was a curtain that was a curtain of separation at the cross, At the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus was leading the disciples and indeed us to full access of God's presence. The cross gave us Christ's access to the Father. No one else had done this or ever will. At the cross, God was bringing about the salvation, about salvation for everybody, for every person through Jesus' death and resurrection. At the cross, God was restoring us back into relationship. And that relationship was then available to anybody who believed in his son Jesus. So now when we pray, our father, we pray that because of what Christ has done. We pray that with access to what Christ has obtained for us. And we get to enjoy what theologians call the incommensurate partnership of communion with God. We are able to obtain that. We are able to step into that and receive that and move that and know that and experience that. The Apostle Paul writes to many churches, um, as we discover in the New Testament, he particularly writes to churches that he's planted himself or that he is, is, is pastoring in some way. And we read in his letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul describes for us the sheer wonder and the enjoyment of what it is to be accessing God's presence in prayer. He shares with us the power and the connection and the communion with God that has been obtained for us when we pray. I'm going to summarise some of the things he says. He says that we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He chose us, hear this friends, he chose us to be holy and blameless before him in love. To be holy and blameless before him in love. We have been adopted as his children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven through his blood. And we have been bestowed with his graciousness. We've been bestowed his glorious grace upon us. Verse 13 of chapter 1 says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. What a beautiful reminder. What an important reminder that the cross gave us Christ's access to the Father. And that prayer is accessing the presence of God. It's accessing what Christ has already done for us. It's recognising that we do not need to obsess about well-crafted words or write techniques about prayer. We don't need to have it all together. We don't have to earn or even strive for God's listening ear. Did you know that we cannot impress God with the words we use in our prayers? And I've got to be honest with you, as, as, as a pastor, I've fallen into that trap before. You know, do you have a, a prayer voice? I'm just wondering. <laughs> or is that just me? You know, we can fall into the trap, can't we, of thinking that what's going to matter is that I come up with the right words and it's going to sound really good. That's actually not what it's about. I can't, I can't possibly, if I truly understand that Ephesians 1 reality, what it means for us to be obtaining what Christ has already done for us, If I'm truly understanding that, then then I can't get hung up or caught in what it is to try and impress God in any way with my eloquence. Friends, Matthew 6 verse 8 says this. It's your Father who knows what you need before you even ask. Isn't that incredible? Uh, As you're possibly aware... um, I have three children and my middle child, her name's Hannah, and when she was at this sort of wonderful age, around about uh, two or three, she desperately wanted to know how to write. But, of course, she couldn't. Uh, And so we would just give her copious quantities of paper and pens and crayons and what have you, and she would just scribble away. She would just spend any of her spare time just scribbling away uh, writing. And she got lots of encouragement from her um, preschool teachers and also from us because it's something she seemed to really enjoy, something that she really wanted to do. And then I remember um, one particular Mother's Day. Uh, If you've experienced this, Mother's Days are quite special when you've got small children. Uh, It's often often a bag of unknown, never quite sure what you're going to get, but it's a beautiful time when you get up in the morning uh, because, you know, I've actually had to secretly hand over money for $5 for the Mother's Day uh, gift table arrangement. and But, of course, I didn't know about that at all. I didn't know anything was going to be happening around that. But I would hand it over and on Mother's Day I would open a beautiful gift, uh, which was nearly always a bar of soap that looked as though it had been used before. Um, <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was usually a macaroni necklace, a beautiful macaroni necklace. Um, and it was a card, right? It was a card where this little person had poured... Onto, the, onto this card like how they were feeling about you as mum. And, and I remember opening this card and uh, Hannah saying to me, Mummy, read the card. <laughs> and I'm kind of staring at it going, staring at the scribbles. Staring at the scribbles. And then <laughs> I just looked at her beautiful little face. And I actually knew what she wanted to say. I knew the things that were important to her. I I knew what made a tick. I knew the weird little things that happened in her head and and I knew how much um, she loved me and what she wanted to say and I would start to just read. I would pretend I knew all those things And, and one of the things that we said in our family is that we would always say, Um, And I love you to the moon and back and back and back and back and back. And it was almost like a competition as to how many times you could say that. So I would just start to read and pretend that I knew what her scribble said. And she would just go, Great reading, mummy, great reading. (laughs) You know, I think that prayer is a lot like that. I think prayer is a lot like that. Because in God's presence, God reads our faces, He reads our hearts. And he knows those little things that you're struggling with in your mind. And he interprets our prayers. And the interesting thing is that the Bible even speaks to this very thing. We read in Romans chapter 8, it says this, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Our scribbles. Our scribbles. I I had a a season of life where um, I really struggled in prayer and my prayer life was really a lot of scribbles. This season took place sort of sometime around, sometime in the first trimester of my first pregnancy with our first child and continued right through until the time when our second child turned one. It was quite a long season. And during that season I experienced uh, postnatal depression. And it wasn't easy. Um, I was was continuing to serve in in just a very small part-time role in in our local church. And I was trying to be a a mum, a new mum and a wife. Um, And we were pretty sleep deprived. And it was pretty rough when Mike had to leave for work. My husband, Mike, had to leave for work each morning. But together uh, we committed ourselves to really seeking different ways of getting help. And this was 20 years ago, Uh, so it was difficult back then, I I believe it's still difficult now, but it was certainly a difficult experience to talk about this kind of thing 20 years ago. But as I said, we committed to finding different ways that we would seek help. And one of those ways was that I would um, each week go along to something called prayer soaking. The principles of prayer soaking are quite simple, um, and it's got a lovely history to it, which I won't go into now. But prayer soaking really just meant that I um, came each day to a, a comfortable kind of place and we would simply lie on the floor. It would be about a blanket and a cushion and a pair of warm socks. And there was intercessors who just continued to pray in the space, that continued to pray that we'd be in God's presence. And I would put myself on the floor um, and there would be some beautiful background worship music, normally instrumental, and as I said, some, some prayers that were in the room. But I would just put myself in that place of surrender, in that place of submission, and in that place of expectation that God was present, and that God was available to me, and that Jesus had made that possible in some way. I was expectant as to what God might do, and I just kind of scribbled away on the floor. And over time, um, the Lord would remind me of some scriptures. And three, three particular scriptures. One of them was from Psalm 139 that says this. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. It's kind of different for everybody, but... And um, experiencing uh, personal depression, part of the struggle for me was that I often just didn't know how to explain it. I just didn't know how to, how to describe it to somebody. And so when I heard this, that even before a word is on my tongue, oh, Lord, you know it completely. Oh, what a relief that was. And then Malachi chapter 4, verse 2 says, But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. What a picture of joy and of release and of freedom that comes in God's presence. And then Zephaniah, uh, chapter three, verse 17. "The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. As on a day of festival. (sighs) A lot of scribbles I brought to the Lord and a lot that He would reveal to me. And you know, um, something really happened. Stuff happened on the floor there. Because what I longed to bring to God in prayer, I discovered that He already knew it. All the things that were going on, God didn't see them as just things. He saw them as things that actually mattered to me and they indeed mattered to him. He saw me and he knew me and as I soaked in the presence of God, I was changed. I was changed. And my family was changed. And even the community, the church community and the wider family that I was a part of also changed. And so friends, it's so important for us to understand today that prayer is accessing the presence of God. In prayer, we realise that we are God's children and that the cross gives us access to the Father. And there's something else that happens. There's a shift that happens from focusing on ourselves to focusing on God. And when we are focused on God, we can simply bring our scribbles We're enabled to simply bring our scribbles. My final question for us today, as we have been unpacking prayer and this series, Jesus Teach Us to Pray, is I wonder if you would wonder with me for a moment what if we didn't pray? What if we didn't pray? I think it's actually quite a dark place to go to to think about if we didn't pray. But I wonder what what would become of our world if we didn't pray. What would become of our internal life? What would become of ourselves, the inner person, if we never ever felt the need to shift out of selfishness and self-regard, if we just always wanted to stay focused on self? I wonder if we'd settle into quite a serious form of captivity, you know, just a a cage of isolation. I think that when we don't pray, we attempt to keep things in our control rather than in God's control. And I think that without prayer, there's no recognition of all that God has available to us. I think we would live our lives in indescribable deficit, actually. I think that we would treat others horrendously. I think that other people in our lives would just be kind of a threat to our autonomy and that they would kind of just give us this sense of... Our sense of perceived comfort would just be an inconvenience. We would just be inconvenienced by others around us. Because I think that when we pray that we somehow accept a fixed, closed world... That excludes others and denies God's future. But the really important question, the really important statement for us to make is, but we do pray. But we do pray. Because when we pray, we get our minds off ourselves and we discover a Holy Father who sends our life into new directions. We discover that Jesus dispatches us for the sake of the lives of others, sends us into the world, into new places where God is, calls us to go. Sometimes with joy, sometimes we go reluctantly. But he calls us and draws us into the newness of what God is doing, into the newness of God's future, to the inbreaking of the kingdom. When we talk about God doing a new thing, we are actually asking God in prayer. We're seeking to to access that presence and be drawn into the new thing God wants to do in our midst. And prayer is how we access that. Prayer is how we access that. You know, every time we pray, we align ourselves with the resurrection power of God. And it surges among us and it invites us to re-situate our lives. To resituate our lives in partnership with the power and the purposes of God. And when we pray, our hearts are opened, our secrets are exposed, and our desires are known, and we are now ready. We are now ready to love God perfectly and to magnify his name in the world. Hallelujah. I'm wondering if we could together respond to the word this morning. I'm wondering if you would stand with me and that together we might um, listen to the words of the Lord's prayer. So would you stand now? I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer as we are going to teach it in these next subsequent weeks. And I'm just going to um, say each verse, if you like, and then I'm going to pause. And in that pause, you can scribble. You can bring your scribbles to the Lord. I'll leave some space for you to do that. And then we'll move on to the next verse, and again, we'll leave some space. So why don't you position yourselves, if you want to bow your head, close your eyes, put your hands out, put your hands on your heart. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever and ever. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness.